August 16th, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 14 through 33. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm about to say is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing the benefits of the blood of Christ? And when we break the loaf of bread, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the body of Christ? And we all eat from one loaf, showing that we are one body. And think about the nation of Israel. All who eat the sacrifices are united by that act. What am I trying to say? Am I saying that the idols to whom the pagans bring sacrifices are real gods, and that these sacrifices are of some value? No, not at all. What I am saying is that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want any of you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do you dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy as Israel did? Do you think we are stronger than He is? You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't think only of your own good. Think of other Christians and what is best for them. Here's what you should do. You may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace. Don't ask whether or not it was offered to idols, and then your conscience won't be bothered. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a Christian asks you home for dinner, go ahead. Accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you, and don't ask any questions about it. Your conscience should not be bothered by this. But suppose someone warns you that this meat has been offered to an idol. Don't eat it, out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. Now, why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? Whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the Church of God. That is the plan I follow too. I try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what I like or what is best for me, but what is best for them so they may be saved. The human soul is so bent that we don't want the actual God of the universe. We want a God of our own design. When we are half-hearted about the things of God, the pressures and the brokenness of the world will more than likely eventually render us no-hearted about the things of the Lord. It's our turn to be valiant. It's our turn to be prayerful. It's our turn uh, to make war against injustice. It's just our turn. And the people before us were faithful to the Lord, and, and now it's our run. And I don't know how long our run lasts, but it's our turn. We're here. The world hadn't changed. Uh, it's just our turn to be filled with the Holy Spirit, informed by the Word of God, and to press into the darkness with calloused knees and calloused hands. Not just calloused knees and not just calloused hands, both. 
both. And so I thought we would look at King Uzziah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. The Bible tells us he finds Zechariah, and he wants to be trained, and he wants to be trained in something very specific, and he wants to be trained in a fear of God. He wants to be trained in a fear of God. He wants to be trained in being able to see, savor, sit in, um, marinate in the greatness and majesty of God. He wants to feel small. Like what a countercultural pursuit for us. I want to feel small. I want to know there's something bigger and more powerful and more mighty than I am. I want to be smaller than I know I'm king of Judah, but king of Judah is nothing compared to king of the universe. I want to feel tiny. Train me in this. There are two kind of pieces, two kind of strengths that begin to be developed in the heart of someone who is growing, being trained in a fear of God, a fear of the Lord, the majesty of God, the size of God, the scope of his sovereignty and power creates two things in the hearts of those who are his, creates wisdom and knowledge. He knows I don't, I'm going to submit to that. And it creates courage. It creates courage because God is God and who could stay his hand, right? I mean, if I'm a child of the King, what do I, what have I to fear? If I've been purchased by his blood, if I'm a, an adopted son, if, my, if I'm an heir of, of the promise, if I inherit new heavens and new earth and I get uh, unfettered access to God, what have I to fear? Like, what could you do to me? Not like me? Kill me? What could you possibly take from me? See, you start to grow in confidence and you don't grow in confidence in you. See, the fear of the Lord doesn't produce confidence in you. In fact, it doesn't even produce confidence in your faith, but rather the object of your faith. Our confidence grows in that God is able. God is willing. God is at work. God will win. The ultimate victory belongs to the Lord, and our confidence begins to grow. And and then one of the things that that I I want to fight for all all the days that God gives me breath is this kind of weak notion that that piety somehow equals passivity. You know, that if you're a pious man, a pious woman, that somehow equals kind of this uh, weird, quiet meekness where you just kind of cross your fingers and hope God will. And, And Because that's definitely not what we see in the Bible. In fact, pious men and women in the Bible are ferocious. And so Uzziah gets up off of his knees, uh, closes his Torah, filled with the word of God, blown away by the majesty of God, and he rejects passivity and he gets to work. Now, my, my hope is anchored in one place, and it is anchored in this truth, that the gospel of Jesus Christ can penetrate any and every darkness and is the only hope any of us have around any of this. And so I, I refuse to lose hope in the midst of what appears to be madness. Because I know we win. I know we win, and I know one day all of this nonsense 
will vanish. Today we're in Psalm 34, verses 11 through 22. Fearful that Saul would kill him, David fled to Gath and sought the protection of the enemy. But you're never safe out of the will of God. And David had to lie in order to escape. Now this psalm is David's personal testimony of what God did for him. I will bless. You know, David had every reason to praise the Lord. For the Lord had rescued him from certain death. When you call on the Lord in faith, He saves, He keeps, and He satisfies. Why run to the enemy when you can run to the Lord and be safe? I will teach, this scripture will tell us. David wanted the next generation to know the Lord and trust Him. He gave some wise counsel about how to have good days, and he urged them to call on the Lord in the time of trouble. God's eyes see your needs. God's ears hear your prayers, and God is near you when your heart is broken. When God does something special for you, hey, tell somebody else and remember it yourself. The next generation needs to know that God is faithful and God is alive. Psalm 34, verses 11 through 22. Come, my children, and listen to me. And I will teach you to fear the Lord. Do any of you want to live a life that's long and good? Then watch your tongue. Keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous may face many troubles, but the Lord rescues them from each and every one. For the Lord protects them from harm. Not one of their bones will be broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. Everyone who trusts in Him will be freely pardoned. Proverbs 21, verses 14 through 16. A secret gift calms anger. A secret bribe pacifies fury. Justice is a joy to the godly, but it causes dismay among evildoers. The person who strays from common sense will end up in the company of the dead.